podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of It's Eleven. It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans for Leicester City fans. It's been a little while. I was just saying to the guys off air. Last time we recorded a show, we were we were a Premier League team. We just got a draw against Newcastle, and we we were hoping that the lap of the gods was going to be kind to us on our last day uh, against against West Ham. Uh, but obviously Everton did the business, and we got relegated. Joined tonight by Steve and Tom, the regulars, also joined by a big strong. Leicester boy, uh, Rick Flair. It's great to have you with us, Rick. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us on. Uh, yeah, very hot and sweaty. Um, but other than that, pleased to be with you. I'm in the garden, actually, trying to um, cool down. It's been a hot one, actually. I took the kids swimming this weekend and got to, um, into the changing rooms, realised I haven't packed my swimming trunks. So I'm sure you've been there having two young children where you're like, oh, God, what do I do? I, I was like, come on, we're going to have to go. And one of them started crying. So I had that dilemma. Do I go in in my kegs or <laughs> going in a pair of chino shorts? So what went I, went with, I went with the chino shorts, which was very, very uncomfortable. Well, um, but... some way to start the show, that, isn't it? <laughs> 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 no, it's great to have you with us anyway. I Cheers, thought you were going to say you cut, the, cut a couple of holes in the bottom of a carrier bag or something. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, could have done, mate. That'd have been I've got one. Been <laughs> Steve, how are you doing? All right, yeah, not so bad. I mean, obviously, watching that last game of the season with the false cheers going round was just about as bad as going swimming in your chino shorts. But of course, you were there, weren't you? Very we, uncomfortable. Yeah, out of it, me and Tom. I, we both sold our ticket for the last game because we had separate holidays at the Great time. So, yeah, bad timing, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it depends which way you look at it. Wow. We, actually played, we actually played well on the day, but there was, the worst thing about it was the cheers that rang around as though Bournemouth had gone into the lead and then they'd equalised. And, of course, it didn't happen, so it got all our hopes up. There needs to be some serious punishments handed out for that, doesn't there? Yeah, I think so. Well, we are a championship team. Is it still stinging for you, Rick, at the moment? Have you started to come to terms with what we're, what we're facing? It's things like... Today, Darren Moore getting sacked at Sheffield Wednesday and realising that we need to sort of care about it, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting a bit easier. Um, I'm still angry, 
I'm still not happy with what goes has gone on. Um, mild excitement about Moreski getting the job because there's the element of the unknown and he does seem quite exciting and you know dynamic and innovative. But yeah, I'm still we still should be there, but we've got to snap out of that because if we if we go into the season thinking we shouldn't be in the championship, we'll get our arse handed to us, won't we? Because it's a brutal league. And as you say, you know, I, I even forgot Sheffield Wednesday were a championship team. That that shows the arrogance and ignorance. I need to get my head on for it because, um, you know, we're in for it now. We've got to get back up. Got elements of uh, Brendan Rodgers not knowing what the Europa League was all about. The exactly. League. That's where we're heading at the moment, isn't it? That, that's me, mate. I'm disgusted with myself. Sheffield Wednesday I've got a funny feeling we're going to get Sheffield Wednesday first I don't know why that is maybe it's I think they're more Swansea yeah there's something I don't know why something in that Vardy would love Sheffield Wednesday of course yeah well, if he's still yeah. with us if he listens to the rumours he's about to go manage him isn't he <laughs> no not no. having that one well you never know imagine if he did player manager That'd be a heartbreak. I'm not ready. For, we'd have no. to change the name of the podcast and everything. We can't have that. <laughs> so, Steve, another relegation. Uh, how are you feeling about that situation now? Well, I've seen a few, sadly, over the years. Uh, quite a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, it's hard to take with the squad we had. We shouldn't have been in anywhere near down there. But we just didn't play well enough over the season, did we? And in fact, if Dean Smith getting nine points in eight games was... Uh, if it's if he'd done that all season, we we would have stayed up. Um, but yeah, shocking, isn't it? Uh, it's hard it's hard to get over because now, you know, we should have been building on the good young players that we've got, but we're going to lose them all and have to start again. Basically, we are starting again, though, aren't we? Now? It's ripping it all up and starting again. All the all of that success and what we should have built on from that has all gone to waste. That's the sad thing. What about yourself, Tom? We've really only watched Premier League football in terms of me and you having season tickets together, haven't we, over the, the last nine years? That was when we sort yeah. of came together. You came yeah, we've you know, a few games before that. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, with the way the whole season was going, you'd like to think that you had come to terms with it by the end. But... <laughs> you know, the, being a fan, you're still clinging on. You know, if if uh, if it's mathematically possible to stay up, you're kind of hoping that somehow you do it. But you know, it wasn't to be, and, and we could never really hang our hopes on uh, on Everton not getting anything that day. So, yeah. you know, um, difficult, but you know, on to the next one. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm glad we've I'm glad we've had a bit of a change anyway in terms of you know management and stuff. Going to be a lot of a change, mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there'll be a few faces that we don't recognise, won't they? Well, hopefully, because uh, yeah. the last lot that we had have, have let us down in a big way. Just wonder, Rick, is that where your anger is sort of? At at the moment, it was obviously at one stage not just for you, but for a lot of people. The the manager Brendan Rodgers, then it was at the board because they didn't do anything, and then it was at the players because they were they were the ones that ultimately have, have let us down on the pitch. Yeah, it's a good question, and I have been thinking about this recently because I feel like whilst the focus was on Brendan from sort of well nearly the whole season. Um, the players did get a right easy ride off uh, the fans because, you know, it was the logical decision was you needed to change the manager, change the manager, change the manager. So the players 
were, were the excuses were being made for them. But you know, from a basic accountability, professional pride, all of that, you know, they were found wanting. Several of them have just declined and nosedived off a cliff, and Diddy being one of them. Mm. Um, is that through injuries? Is it through lack of motivation? Is it through being at the club for too long and going stale and needing a change? Probably a bit of everything. And that's the case with quite a few of them. But, you know, I, I genuinely, and, and people disagree with me on this, certainly on my own podcast, I'm on, I genuinely think the art of a good manager is getting the best out of players. Now, that doesn't give them a free ride to, to play badly and be the pits. But when they are sort of declining or, or way off, it's on, I do think it's on the manager because elite sport, it's about the such small margins that are the difference. And, you know, that's why I give Brendan a load of credit for the first two and a half years. That wasn't just because we've got a good squad and he could turn up as, you know, be a supply teacher and, and it took care of itself. He genuinely did compliment them and get the best out of them. So, you know, in the same regard, he then completely lost the plot, lost effectiveness. The players switched off to him. Like you would, because I've joked, the bloke is an irritating in many of his mannerisms. So it's only inevitable that that's going to happen with that healthy shake-up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm angry with some of the players, but I'm more angry with the board for not acting on, you know, neither back nor sack Brendan. Um, mm. And the players have been, you know, they've just been um, part of that problem and caught up in it. And some of them have got to, have got to have a look in the mirror. But yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm less angry with them as I am the board and Brendan. What about yourself, Steve? Was there book stop with the board for for yourself? Obviously, Brendan has gone back into a job this week, up into your land where you you normally reside, up in Scotland, um, and he's gone yeah. back to his old job. So, how are you feeling about the board for the shakeup? Well, I, I I feel the board, Brendan, and the players all have to take responsibility. I mean, for me. Rudkin has to take a lot of the responsibility, but Top seems to rely on him a lot. But, I mean, to be in the contract situation we're in is diabolical, right? And we should have got money for some of the players that have been going by moving them on, securing them on contracts or moving them on. Um, Obviously, the board, Rudkin including, told Rogers that he could have a refresh of the squad. And then when it came down to it and they looked at financial fair play, they couldn't do it. And so that that put Rogers in a difficult situation where he told a whole load of players they weren't really wanted to go and find another club, and then he was stuck with them this season. Still, I agree with Rick; he's the manager, and he's and he and he needs to motivate them. But it's like he didn't take responsibility. He, he you know, it was like things taken out of his hands. What can I do? And then some of the players were willful, weren't they? Um, Rick's already mentioned Ndidi, but Yuri Tillemans has been, apart from a couple of bright sparks in the last two seasons, been a shadow of himself. So has Ricardo, maybe that's injuries. So has um, Castagna has not been as good. Yeah, there's a whole range of players, Kin and Dewsbury Hall, Jamie Vardy, you know, who is it that's played well? You could probably say Madison played well, but he went off in the last part of the season when we needed him. And you could say Barnes had a good season with the statistics, but he didn't look good. Um, and he didn't do anything defensively for the team. So it's it's difficult to take any positives out of the season at all or say any any of the players came out with huge credit. 
I guess it's that whole thing of are you going to be sad to see any of them go? So we spoke around Madison and Barnes. There are obviously two biggest assets as we head into this this window, Tom. But even with James Madison, would you be sad to see him go? Or are you just thinking we need to get, I don't know, circa 50 million for him? Well, this is it. I think I think the uh, the money's probably more important to us at the moment. Um, I know, you know, his, his interviews, certainly towards the end of the season, were kind of a bit hot and cold as to how he was feeling with the fans. And, and well, I mean, the support was atrocious, to be honest, especially at, at the King Power. But, um, yeah, I, I just feel like he's, he's not staying anyway. So it's, uh, you know... As, as far as I'm concerned, it's let him go and, and see what we can replace him with. It's a bit like you going out with a beautiful woman and she's, uh, she's <laughs> yeah. now that she's too good for you, isn't it? It's one of those situations and you need to wish her, wish her well on, on her way. We've all been there, yeah. <laughs> we have, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Ricky? Are you feeling that we can even... Are you even feeling that we can respend this money particularly well at the minute? We spoke around confidence in the board. It's like giving a blank check to a man that has not got a great deal of, of knowledge or nous in that area. I mean, to me at the minute, it feels like I've been given 500 quid to go and spend on the dentist. You know, I'm not overly looking forward to it. But um, again, I come back to, we've, we've got, to, got to quickly get over what's gone on. Um, I mean, in some ways, it's a long time ago, but you imagine, what was it, 15 years ago when we got relegated to League One. Uh, and going back to your point there, you said to Tom about um, some of the players, are you, are you, you know, Madison, would you be happy if he stayed? Uh, players are going to go. Some are going to stay that we think we, they're going to go, I think. I can't imagine they're all going to go. But what happened that season is we had the likes of Howard and Oakley and some of the others. that are, Not that they've been there that long because they come in the season before, but I was quite happy then to never see any of them again. You know, completely rebuild, but the rebuild has to happen and there's going to be some players that are going to have to reinvent themselves with us. Um, and it doesn't take a lot for them to sort of right the wrongs in our eyes, you know, <laughs> few goals, a few wins. And so I, I want the majority of them gone because I don't want anyone who doesn't want to be here any longer. Yeah. Um, and Maresca nailed it in his first interview by saying that, you know, there's going to be players going, there's going to be staying, but the ones that stay, the ones that come, they want, they're going to need to want to play for Leicester, otherwise they're not going to be here. And that's what should have happened. I know it, I know you can't physically force players out of very big money that Rookin and the like have given, but we probably made it far too easy for those fringe players. You know, we were kept being told players are going. We've told them that they've got no futures here, and yet they still were here whiffing the place up. That's because I don't think people got I don't think people got nasty enough. Now mm. Okay, is that is that a positive environment to be in if you if you're sort of making it a bit hostile? No, but this is elite sport. I don't know what goes on, but you know clubs pressure players into leaving, and they do. Um, and maybe that's what we need to do. We need we need to not be afraid of, of you know sticking up for ourselves and, and making it feel pleasant for someone. Get them out. It's big business. See? The Seagrave, I reckon. I reckon that's it. It's too comfy in there. It's too nice. As soon as well, we it got Seagrave, it all, all went downhill, didn't it? Well, I joked it's one foot in the Seagrave because it <laughs> is, isn't it? it? It really is. The place The place seems like a death trap at the minute, but hopefully that changes. The, the Walker Stadium felt like a death trap for years and years, yeah, didn't it? It was yeah. like there was a curse 
and then we turn that. So hopefully that happens with Seagrave. Makes me angry every time I hear about it. I mean, I was down the pub yesterday. And I had my Leicester shirt on. It's one of the few times that I've worn it so far since we got relegated because people give you that sort of stare that they like someone's just died or something. And they, you know, well, well sorry. Uh, well, yeah, thanks for being sorry. But this chap was telling me how he delivers to Seagrave and it's an amazing place. It's this and it's that. And I just don't, I don't want to hear it, Steve. It's one of those things at the moment where I, it, there is there is some sort of curse there, but it was almost like a, a perfect blend of everything to go wrong to lead us up to that situation, wasn't it? Player contracts, injuries, bit of malaise creeping into the squad, poor management, everything that could have gone wrong. So how do we sweep that under the carpet now? Well, it is a, fre- a completely fresh start. I mean, I don't care if we start with a completely new eleven in the first game, to be honest. Um, we need to get a whole load off the wages anyway, but we need a whole new attitude in. Um, Maresca's a, a risk, but I'm glad that's the way the, they've gone and not Scott Parker or Frank Lampard or anyone else uh, that might be available that's not up to it. it. It is a risk and he might not work, but I like his approach and his attitude. You know, he's, he's been with uh, Pep twice, obviously, and uh, worked under other good managers like Pellegrini. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he shapes us. But I think we've got to be a bit patient. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen in the first season. I hope it does. But um, it takes time to build a squad and get them playing the way you want, especially when you're, you're buying on the cheap. Will he get that patience, do you think? Well, I don't know, Leicester fans. I hope so. Um, uh, you know, if uh, I hope that um, if they're showing signs, but we don't quite make the playoffs or whatever in in the first season back, that but the improvements there and witness that people will stick with him. But you never know, do you? I bet Rick for a second you thought we had Enzo on the podcast with us tonight, but it's actually it's actually Tom. <laughs> I did. I was going to go and get the Viennetta out of the freezer. <laughs> Behave yourself. Have you, seen, have you seen him driving around Leicester in his, uh, his, his Ferrari or something? So? He's Maserati or something, Maserati, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Are you not one talk on the city? Afraid not. No, not at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Working on that. I guess if we go back however many weeks, even if it was when Rogers got sacked or when it looked like Dean Smith wasn't going to sort of do the business for us, as it were. Um, it wouldn't have been a name that we would have probably thought of at that time. But like Steve said, it is that hope that comes with it, isn't it? It's that sort of uh, endless possibility. It might all go wrong, a la Paolo Sosa, but uh, it feels like we have got that opportunity for a fresh start that we might not have had with some of those other names. Is that for me or for Tom? It was for Tom, sorry. Did I not oh, say yeah, sorry. <laughs> um... this for Jake, do you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's as you say, it's not a, a name that I was overly familiar with or expected, and there is some positivity in that, to be honest. As as you know, Marples has said, um, the likes of Parker coming in, that you know, these kind of names that are thrown around, and you kind of you kind of uh, associate them with failure now in a way. So that's kind of not what we want if we're if we're building up from scratch. So it it kind of feels like at least. The club's got a direction now. They must have picked him for a reason. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with it, and you know, pleased pleased with what I expect he'll bring to the team. Sexy uh, football. Sexy football. Yeah. Just reading, and again, it's Twitter, so it could be anything, but it is beyond the ninety that have 
updated this, who don't talk a load of rubbish usually. They're saying that Leicester are trying to get a work permit for Esteban Cambiasso to join the backroom staff. Would that be a smart move, Rick? Um, yeah, without any sort of fundamental knowledge of his capabilities as a coach. And, uh, yes, because the bloke just oozes class, doesn't he? I mean, it's still staggering that we had him for a year. Um, it was sort of a throwback to the 90s when all those iconic Italian players and other overseas players came and did a year or two. Even Bolton having the likes of Giorgio and Hierro and Campo. Yeah, you know, that was our our sort of swan. You know, we, he had the swan song, and yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. He's he's not done a lot, has he? In, in coaching wise, he, he he was assistant at Columbia, I think, um, a few years ago. Yeah, but maybe that's not. I don't know. You just again, it's nostalgia and maybe the the rose tinted glasses. But I, I just I'd listen to anything that bloke had to say. Um, you know, he was such a good player. So yeah, I'd, I'd love it. And and also supposedly his other assistant from Palmer's coming in. There'll be three bold blokes in. I just think it'll be iconic. <laughs> Imagine them on the touchline. You just, I'm, I can see it now. I can see it. Nothing. <laughs> I have to turn the bloody stand around so no, they don't get a sunburn or something. Don't they? <laughs> a lot of glare on a sunny day, wouldn't they? <laughs> You're this. This, is, this, is, this is an ism. I'm sure this is an ism. Like a, a boldism. <laughs> You're all right. We're going to lose Vardy, of course, if we got Kenny Anson, Yeah, that is a good they point, isn't it? They don't get on at all. Yeah, That's true, yeah. That's a good point. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that one. That's very much just just the first time I've seen it actually today. So um, I, I suppose a question that I had, and it's something that we may or may, know, may not know, is what can we expect tactically this season from uh, Enzo Maresca? And I suppose that will depend on the, the quality of players that we bring in. But um, I've seen that he, he sort of favours a, a, a real progressive sort of style of play, Rick. Um, no messing about at the back as such. Try and get the ball forward and, and play positively. Yeah, I've been trying to find out exactly how he does play. Um, initially, when we were linked, people were saying he was a three at the back man. But I think he also, you know, from from sort of Man City under 23s and then Palmer, I think it was as much as that as it was 4-3-3. So I think it's going to be a bit fluid, very much like what Guardiola does. You know, do they really play three at the back? Do they really play? Who knows what Guardiola does? They all pop up everywhere, don't they? I think he's, his philosophy is very dynamic and engaging football and I just welcome seeing a football team press which we've not seen for so long you know that that was what I think we built our success on under Brendan was we did press we forced errors in the final third and yes there were times when the football was still laborious but you know that when we were at our best under Rodgers that was the football on the front foot and I defy any football team that can be successful under a sustained period that doesn't play high-energy football. So, yeah, bring it on. Speaking of high-energy football, or maybe a blocker to that, Steve, one of the first players to go, Yuri Tillemans, gone on a free transfer. Are you surprised that he t- ended up at Aston Villa? Not the way he's been playing, no. I mean, uh, the way he, he started with us, um, he could have gone to a, a real, uh, to a Champions League club. But, team. Yeah, but the way he's been, yeah, absolutely to a good team. But he's, you know, he, he's gone to a team 
the that probably isn't going to win anything and might scrape into Europe every now and again, rather than someone that's going to be consistently there. So um, I think it shows how far his stock has fallen. There's a bit of anger towards him at the end, Tom, that he'd, uh, it's sort of almost down tools since that FA Cup uh, goal. Last two years, he delivered very little for us. The odd yeah. bang in there, but you know, consistently, it just wasn't wasn't the same, was it? No, it wasn't at all. Um, I mean, you could. I don't. I don't even think you can put it down to what's around him because I know you know the rest of the midfield dropped off a bit. But no, you're expecting some spark off him, and it was. Uh, it was those. Know, it just it just looked like he didn't want to be there at all. To be honest, for for a good while. Has, has he gone on a four-year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, signing a good chunk of your career away, isn't it, Villa? So. Chunk being the operative word, maybe. <laughs> I, I can't really say that. But, yeah, I, I know quite a lot of Villa fans. I live over in the West Midlands, Rick, and uh, a lot of them are saying to me, look, he's not going to make our first 11. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think, he think Barry's he's... even been on that, hasn't he? Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I... I like Telemans, and that's not going to sound a major sweeping statement because I think we're conflicted with Telemans, aren't we? Because he at times was unbelievable for us. He, uh, the move shocked me to start with because of everything what you've just said. I mean, he opted not to sign a new deal with us because we didn't get Champions League two seasons on the spin. And we all were resigned to the fact that maybe he was too good for us and you know, we were wishing him on his way. And if he went two years ago for 30, 40 million, even though we, we thought he was worth more than that at the time, we probably would have been happy. The fact he's gone for free and the fact he's gone to Aston Villa is um, pretty galling. But then again, as you say, what he's done in the last two years, you can see why it is Aston Villa he's gone to and not anyone else, even on a free. I don't know. It, the, the bloke toils. You know, we, we, we had him on loan at the under Poyel brought him in and then thankfully was quickly moved on. And under Rogers, that final end of the season, he was mustered. And then the season we arguably played our best football, that first half of the 2019-20 season, Telemans actually wasn't very good mm-hmm. um, compared to that. Then he then he sort of, you know, he, he got a bit better. 2021, he was brilliant again, culminating in as winning the FA Cup, but it was more than that. It wasn't just that headline of us winning the FA Cup. He was great that season. And then last season, meaning 21-22, again, up and down. And then this season, had a brief renaissance, didn't he, up to the World Cup. And then after that, just pony. Um, yeah, I like him and I wish him well within reason. But it's a just, it, again, it, saw, it sums up uh, the players that did so well for us and then the 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 end of the story here. It's yeah. There's gonna be a few in for a rude awakening, I think, isn't there? I do, yeah. Yeah, I think there is gonna be. Uh with Yuri Tillerman, Steve, um do you, you know, what's his legacy gonna be for us essentially? Is it gonna be that wonder strike in the cup final? Is it gonna be a couple of I guess the the trademark is when he comes back as a opposing player, what sort of uh, reception would he be given? Um, I, I think the Leicester fans are going to be pretty bitter at all the ex-players from this past season, the relegation season. So I can't see him getting a great um, reception, to be honest, because he, he just wasn't there all season for us. But I think he'll be remembered 
for helping us push for the Champions League two years on the trot, for winning the FA Cup for those good years under Rodgers. Uh, and we did have some good times under Rodgers and we had fantastic hope for the future then. And I think, um, I guess he'll be remembered more for his uh, for his winning the FA Cup and his goal that, that won us that. And Schmeichel saves, of course, and anything else, because as a, as a Leicester lad, we all thought we were destined not to win it. And it was always one of our dreams. So... I think that's probably what he'll get more credit for, that one thing. It's still a surprise to see him end up at Villa, though, isn't it? And it, it is. Maybe that was my reaction at the time was was one of almost a bit of disdain that that was where he'd ended up. But also, it's sort of your own fault that that was the, the case. And no disrespect to Villa. And that, that, as I say, their fans are saying that he's probably going to be a squad player for them. What they are saying is that he's going to need to run and press and he's probably going to need to get quite a bit fitter to do that. Yeah, I mean, fitness was an issue for our whole squad. And I don't know what's gone on there, what's happened at the new training ground or getting rid of David Rennie and what's happened since then. Scared to run in case they do their ACL, Steve. Yeah, well, Dean Dean Smith came in and said that, you know, the guy, he wanted them to press, but they're just not fit enough to to go forward and and press and and compete on a through 90 minutes or 100 minutes or however long they're going to be playing for. So there's something seriously wrong. And hopefully that's something Maresca can address as well, because our, our squad haven't been fit. No, I totally agree with you. And someone that has got a good agent, so it would seem, is Timothy Castania, because he looks like he might be off to Juventus, which is a hell of a move, isn't it? Uh, what, what was your thoughts on that, Tom, when you, when you saw that? Well, it's fine if they, if they don't want a defender, isn't it? He's, he's been... <laughs> Uh, when he came in, I think he he was he was kind of what we needed at the time. He was, you know, a, a backup Ricardo basically, and um, he, he did a job all right for a while. But my God, the last season he's he's not looked at it at all. Um, he just his positioning always seems off. He's all you know the the crosses are always coming in, and you're thinking, my God, I hope it's nowhere near him. So um, no, I'm. I suppose, you know, if we've got to cut the players down, yeah. I won't be sad to to see the back off. <laughs> 15 million or so, Rick, so they say. So that looks likely to swell the coffers a little bit. But we need to get this business done quickly, don't we? There's no point dragging this out to the last days of the window. No, um, absolutely. And that's a reasonable fee for Castagna. As Tom says, he'd, um, he overall at Leicester, he, he was... A six out of ten, wasn't he? Um, I'd, I've got a feeling he'll, he'll go elsewhere and do well because I think there's a player in there. I just I don't know why it didn't really work out for him. He started unbelievably for us. The, the, my overriding memory of Castagna will be he was always so negative whenever you spoke to him. Less even when we were in the top four, they'd speak to him after games and he'd say we were crap, which I always thought was quite funny. But <laughs> we do need to get that we do need to get the business done early. What I also don't want to see happen is I know we need to get players out the door and there'll be pressure that they do that so they know how much how much we've got to to play with. But the downside to that is A, it's going to take time and B, then the players that we bring in are going to end up costing us more because they'll know that we've got money to play with. Now, I know it's an art and we'll, we'll play poverty and all of that, saying that we owe money to Australian banks and God knows who else. But I still I still feel like we can get some of the business done because I hope we're going to be shopping shrewdly, not wasting 15, 20 million on, on players. 
uh, unless they're, you know, a real standout young talent. That's the recipe for disaster in that division, isn't it? To spend heavy on the wrong sort of players. I look at Stoke when they came down a few years ago and they spent 15 million on a phobie and another 10 million on a, a Tabo and players like that at that level. You can't afford to. You look at what Burnley have done last summer, for example, and they've they, they they should be our blueprint, I think, for this season. They changed their complete style of football. They bought in exciting players. They used the loan market really well. Some good free transfers, and they they went back at the first attempts. So I think that's what we should be should be trying to emulate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, you you can spend money, but you, they've got to spend it wisely. You know, if someone offered us Alex Scott, for example, at Bristol City. Now, he's probably going to cost you 20 million minimum. Mm. Would I, if we could get him, I would say, yeah, because it's a risk. But at least it feels like you're buying someone that um, probably isn't quite ready to to move to one of the, the notorious six. But yeah, if we're going and spending a lot of money, for example, there'll be a real temptation to go and buy a lot of the Man City under 21s. Yeah. Man City are masters at getting 10, 15 million for players that have you know, yes, they're hyped up. They did it last season to Southampton. I just hope that we can navigate this summer very wisely because I can't remember which one of you just said this. I think it was Steve. We need to be patient under Maresca, but mm. we haven't got loads of time because of the financial situation that we might be heading for with if parachute payments vanish and we're not back up. But when you've got to invest wisely or be a bit shrewd, not spend every single penny we've got gambling on coming back up, but at least then knowing if it doesn't go right straight away, there is a little bit of wiggle room if, you know, because there's no point spending 50, 60, 70 million this summer and then if we don't come up, have nothing the next summer. Um, they, they've got they've got to have a plan um, and That's whether where I think starts, that they will. Yeah, scared. That's where the worry begins because <laughs> you're asking these people that have have let us down uh, for so long to, I think they've let us down anyway, in terms of Rudkin, Whelan, people in the, that sort of board level. Um, you know, the, I think you could point to Yuri Tillemans being the, the start of the downfall in terms of him being allowed to run his contract and then others did the same and then the care just sort of dropped off. But the, there's some people in positions that have uh, are doing their own, um, doing their own report on last season on themselves that have got all the responsibility in the world again. And that's where the worry starts a little bit for, for me. We'll play a game of last man standing, if that's all right. We, I know you've got Who Are You on your podcast, don't you? you uh, you're a bit different to us. We play a game of last man standing where I've set a quiz question. The last person that's in at the end is the winner. If you get an answer wrong, you are out. Um, and it's quite a topical one today. So I've got the 10 clubs that have had the most relegations in Premier League history. Um, since the beginning of the Premier League in 1992. Um, so if you if you want to start to have a think about that, I'll give you 30 seconds while I pad out with some pointless chat. Uh, the minimum times that a team in 10th has been relegated is third, uh, is three times, sorry. And the maximum is six. Wow. So start, start with you, Rick, if that's all right. Yeah, okay. So West Brom. West Brom are number... They've got to be in there, haven't they? Two. Yeah, they are. They're right at the top. They've been relegated five times. Steve? Yeah, well, I have them. Uh, Norwich? Number one on the list. Six times relegated. That's a whole lot of going up and down, isn't it? That would have been us if we'd have uh, 
not had the last ten years the way that the way that we, we have done. Tom, I was going to go Norwich. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll go. I'll go Burnley. No, Burnley aren't on the list, mate. I think they've only done it twice. Yeah. They went up and then went down and then went up and then went down Shocking. again. The, yeah, they've only had two. Sorry about that. You're out already. No pressure, Rick, but I need you to complete this. <laughs> I mean, um, can I play the trump card and say Leicester City? You certainly can. Six oh. on the list, four relegations. Four relegations, and which was the worst side that we'd had uh, during those relegations. It was probably... Probably the Peter Taylor side, wasn't it? Just mm. beating the Mickey Adams side into a bit of submission. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That first team that got relegated for us from the Premier League, though, that was that was a class team. Mark Draper and uh, Phil G. Jimmy, like Jimmy Willis. Yeah, all friends of the podcast now. Gary Coatesworth. <laughs> Brilliant. So they're, they're my favourite relegated side, I think, for that reason. Steve, yeah. back to you. Well, I've got four on my list. Um... That are possibles. Actually, I think three are probably possibles out of them. Four. I'm going to go Sunderland. Sunderland are on the list. They are fifth. They've had four relegations. I was going to say them as well. That was a <laughs> great yeah. nice thinker like um, Wolves. No, they're not on the list, right? Oh, no. I ate them as well. I ate them. right. <laughs> I ate wolves. Don't, don't start me off on them. Listen <laughs> to Neves going to Saudi Arabia for 47 million quid. Has he? That's a crazy oh, yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't care if uh, if they're buying Didi for 31 million as well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come on to that. But, yeah, that's the rumour, isn't it? Indeedy for yeah. 35 yeah. million. 35 mil. I, I haven't seen that from any reputable source on the, the figures, though, for, for that. The top ten are Hull, had three relegations. Nottingham Forest, feel dirty saying that. Uh, Birmingham City, Leicester City, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace was the other one that was missed. Yeah, just been talking about that. Yeah, Uh, West Brom and, and Norwich. Yeah, I had Sheffield United as my other outside bet. I wasn't sure about Forest actually, but yeah, there you go. Just a, a quick thing to, to mention. Apparently, next year's kit might not have a sponsor we're seeing at the moment. The FBS might break their contract with us because they're because of our relegation. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have seen that, if anyone's got any yeah. thought. Yeah, they normally have they normally have clauses in, don't they? So that um if you get relegated, they they can withdraw or at least renegotiate um because they're not going to get the same level of exposure. Yeah. A sponsorless shirt there that would really take us back wouldn't it if that was the case I'd imagine they'll stick King Power on it if uh, if they're really struggling or visit Thailand yeah 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 could do that yeah that's fair enough I just wonder if anyone has seen anything around that and had any thoughts no. yeah I spotted that earlier actually um, there's someone been, there's a website wasn't there they released the kits and R1 yeah. didn't have a sponsor of Um I mean, I've never liked that FBF sponsorship uh, on the shirt. I mean, it's purely cosmetic, that. I mean, I don't know anything about the company, but it never looked that good, did it, on the shirts? Um, yeah. With my, uh, yeah, go on, Tom. wasn't a Walker's Crisps, was it? 
<laughs> or, a, or an alliance in Leicester. Tom's girlfriend calls it the uh, Fat Bastard Society when we were. That's here. right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been wanting red to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> bit harsh. They should, bit harsh. Uh, good they should stick something local on, shouldn't they? What like Melton yeah, some... pork pies or something? Yeah, well, I say local curry house, anything. Just each game, they should just change it to something else. Yeah, something with the funniest logo that they see. like that, <laughs> like that LG one back in the day that looked like a disabled toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was it's pretty ropey. Well, tiles, uh, that was pretty ropey, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, it was, yeah. Alliance and Leicester always had the worst quality kits. They always used to peel off the little square things that was on. Anyway, we, we digress a little bit. Great to see all 23,000 season tickets sold again, Steve. You're going to come and be part of that next season as well. Uh, I believe yeah. they could have sold another five, 6,000 on top of that. So would it still make sense for you to to see that the, uh, the, the grounds might still be getting made slightly bigger? Um, well, I, it might encourage them to to continue with that development because really, it's for the long term. It's not just the stadium, is it? It's about having the the other revenues from the museum, from the indoor stadium, from the hotel, from the offices and apartments. So it's all about increasing the top line for financial fair play. So they might do it on that reason. They're still, uh, I, you know, I think as owners, they're still going to want us to get back into the Premier League as soon as possible and be challenging for Europe again. And the only way that we can do that is to boost our, our income through other means. So that, that might be why they do it. Just remember last time that we, we were down in that division, like the whole row being empty next to me at different points in the cop. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the same again next season, Rick. It feels like the fans are there to stay and they're, they're going to give the, the side a real chance. Yeah, which is good because um, we're going to need them, aren't we? We've got to be on it. Um, uh, it's hard to think, oh, let's go ahead with the stadium expansion right now. But I, as Steve says, we do need to do it because they, if if they, if they genuinely think, oh, we're done now, we're, we're, <laughs> the 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 sustainable Premier League model that they've got in their ambition and mindset, if that's genuinely now gone because of what's happened, then that's a worry, isn't it? So it's right that they probably press on with it. Still a bit scary because of the the finances involved to do that. But um, yeah, we've got the support. Um, we've we've just got to back it up on the field because naturally people will gravitate into not going because there's only so much shit put up with. Excuse me, language. You're um, right. It's you know. So right now, I think they've still got us as a captive audience and. You know, there's a hardcore element that would go regardless. But yeah, it's um, it's good to see that when it's not going to be pitiful uh, in numbers so next season. The hardcore element that clapped them off the pitch, having been relegated. Uh... Yeah, not hardcore in in the way that we uh, that, that we we tell them our uh, uh, appreciation or dissatisfaction. But yeah, I mean, we are the most passive fan base going, aren't we? Well, we certainly are. I've seen. Uh... The girl that you had on your your show is trying to sell her flag to her Brendan Out flag. Yeah. That Spotted Brendan. that Becky, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah enjoyed that. Back yeah, up yeah. to the uh, guys up in in Glasgow for for Brendan. Well, the the um the last banner that I think any of the Scottish lot did was that one that they put on the motorway bridge uh, about Brendan Rogers having extra uh, curricular activities with uh, a certain. Uh... <laughs> Have you never seen that? 
you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah, which is always one of my favourite photos that does the rounds, whether it's true or not. The ladies of a certain persuasion. That's it, exactly. (laughs) I think we're never getting that fairly well. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, any players that you would keep uh, that are in and around the squad at the moment that you would say, look, I'm desperate to keep all of these guys for starting to, to build the side around for next season? Um. Well, <laughs> that I've, is I've a tough question in itself. I've I mean, I, I tell you who I would have kept, but it's bloody gone. Who's Mandy. that? Mandy. Yeah, yeah. Um, bit of a disaster. The you know the minutes he played last season, but um, I mean, obviously we want Vardy in and in and around it from the off this season. I would have thought. Do you think he can do it next season? I think so, yeah. I think he's got it in him to, to give it a bit of something. I know he's a completely different type of striker, Steve, but I always think back to Glenn Murray in the Championship a few years ago when he was about 108 as well <laughs> for, for Brighton at the time, and he was banging him in. Yeah. I'm going to put a few quid on Vardy being the top scorer next season. I'm, I'm not sure if Moresco's style will will suit him. I think Ian Acho might be a better bet, but we might need to get rid of him for his wages. And I don't know if Vardy would probably have to half his wages to stay with us. And I'm not sure he'd do that. So I think there's real issues up front in terms of who we'll have. I, I, I would keep Everson. Um, there was rumours we were going to get rid of him if we'd stayed in the Premier League, but I think now we're in the Championship. I'd keep him. He's got promise. He's not perfect, but he's a fantastic Shot stopper. You um, keep him and start him. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I would. I'd I'd keep Johnny Evans if we thought he was going to last through most of the season. <laughs> I'm going to wait for Rick's response to that in a second. <laughs> I saw your well, online Johnny well, Evans response the other day. There, there was a rumor that uh, you know because of his foot injury, he had to run differently, and that's why he kept picking up all the other injuries because he was using muscles that he, he wouldn't normally use. But if he's got out of that now and he's played a few games for us, he's played a few games for Northern Ireland, may, maybe his body's just getting used to the new way of running around. And he's certainly got the experience and leadership that we're missing. I'd, I'd probably keep KDH just out of sentiment because he's a local lad and Hamza because he's a local lad and we've lost everyone else that can play in that position. Or we will do. Um See, my, my theory is for next season that I reckon we go and, and we try absolutely everything to keep Ricardo and keep James Justin for a season. And I think if we can keep them two, and we've got Harry Souter at the back there as well, that's going to give us a bit of a solid base and we, we can go from there. What's your yeah. thoughts on that, um, Rick? Um, yeah, I think defensively there'll be enough stay that I think we should have I mean, it's hard to say good defence because after what we've just witnessed this last season, you know, it was a disaster class in defending. Um, and I, I, you're right. I mean, Sutar is going to stay, hopefully, and I think he'll be one of the best centre-halves in, in the league. Christiansen is the only player that's come out and openly said that he's looking forward to trying to get Leicester back up. And again, I think him and Luke Thomas are on the left will be more than adequate in the Championship. And that's not to do the Championship a disservice. I think they will. Um, the problem with Ricardo Pereira is we love him. And he, you know, he, he, he still has the ability when he's able to put a run of games together. But 
He's made a paper. His body's made a wet bog roll, isn't it? I mean, it's just... <laughs> and uh, maybe under a new regime, maybe Moreska can do work his magic or whoever he brings in in that regard. I think he'll go on loan, Ricardo will. Someone will cover his wages, take a punt to see whether he can get over his injuries. I think James Justin will stay because I think, although he was probably had a sniff at an appearance or two at the end of the season if he'd been named in the squad over Bertrand, there'll still be enough question marks that um, maybe nobody will come in from just yet. And that hopefully plays in our favour. Um, yeah, I think he might go um, in January. If he, if yeah, he maybe. Well. Maybe. Yeah, yeah you're right. You've a good point. But hopefully give him six months to see how he is. And, you know, at that level, James Justin hopefully will be, you know, one of the best fullbacks in the league. Um, to go back to Johnny Evans, I just, I mean, first few years he was with us under Rodgers, brilliant, wasn't he? You know, showed he was one of the most underrated, underappreciated Premier League players in, in the last decade or so. But I listened to a podcast earlier on uh, this season or last season where Tony Pulis was on, and he actually said that Johnny Evans was a nightmare for trying to get into play. He was constantly convinced he was injured or ill, or, or, you know, not available. And I was like, no, surely not. He doesn't come across as that. And, you know, the injuries up to that point or the unavailability were genuinely put down to, you know, he had, he had a number of issues, certainly with his foot. But, you know, and I'm not saying that Tony Pulis is gospel, but he said that. And he was captain of West Brom when they went down. Now, OK, West Brom didn't go down in quite as bad fashion as we did, although he did nick a taxi or something along those lines. I just think that as a, as a captain, you know, what on earth has he done in those two seasons? He's got relegated at West Brom and Leicester. Um, I just, I, I don't think we should keep him because he, yes, if he's fit, despite what he, you know, what he did or didn't do last season. He's got the capabilities to be a championship player. I don't think he deserves it. And he, what wages is he going to be on? Even if you got him at 40 grand a week, would you pay that to him? I wouldn't. To play a I, third I, of the time. Yeah, I wouldn't. It's all about the mentality there, Rick, isn't it, as well? We need we talk about reset on the playing side. We need to reset the mentality as well because yeah. that's what was relegated. It wasn't the quality of football that we played or the quality of the players. It was the fact that as soon as anyone applied any pressure on them, they just they just buckled. And they buckled, they buckled week after week after week. Buckled or then gobbed off in the press that we'd be okay and were genuinely yeah. horrified and upset that we dared question them. Um, it said enough to me. And, you know, Evans's comments after the Liverpool game saying if we play like we did tonight, we'll be all right with two or three games to go. We were awful against Liverpool other than that first 10, 15 minutes. So that was beyond words. And then his interview at the end of the West Ham game, we've just all said it was a nice chance for us all to say goodbye to one another. Mm. You know, it's like, <laughs> OK, he was probably right in that bit. I just, I just think the bloke's way off. I think he is a symptom of what's gone wrong with us. And I think let him go and have another year in the Premier League, being a bit part player somewhere, Sheffield United, Burnley, whatever. I don't think he's for us right now. Well, it's one of our problems from last season is we didn't have any leaders, right? And that's no. one of the... I mean, Casper, not the most fantastic keeper in the world, a very good keeper, but one of the things he brought was leadership. And I think we really missed that last season. Agreed. Have you got any players for us to bring in then, uh, Rick? Obviously... 
your world famous uh, <laughs> Tete. <laughs> Tete. Uh, <laughs> I'll forever go down on that, won't I? Um, you will. I don't think it's your fault because I think there's a player in there. You know, there I, is. I can see going know, on and be I'm, a world beater somewhere. Yeah, well, I, I'm big enough and ugly enough to to take it on the chin. I don't mind. Um, I mean, the sorts of players that I'd be looking at are players with a point to prove, whether they're unproven young players uh, or players that have, have maybe lost their way. Um, I mean, the, the obvious link is going to be to players that Moresca's had before. There's that Adrian Bernaba, I think his name is, who uh, is at Parma. He took him to Parma. Weirdly, I noticed he never actually played a game under Moresca at Parma because right. he took him there and he was injured for the whole time and then Moresca had been sacked by the time he got fit again. But he looks a little magician. There's actually a young midfielder in Man City's academy at the minute called Alex Robertson, who's a quite a um, sort of energetic uh, central midfielder. He's just made his debut for Australia's senior team. He played under Maresca. His contract's up this season, or this summer. I've not seen from... I did see the sort of Man City's uh, players that they've released retained He's not been mentioned. So whether they've offered him a new deal and it's not yet been announced, but he could be a player to, to pick up that's an obvious one. Um, I mean, we've been linked with Connor Cody, haven't we? So if we want that sort of experienced player, maybe, although everyone's convinced he can't play in a back four, um, I don't know. Um, we, we obviously are going to be going into next season as it stands, if Barnes leaves, with one winger, yeah. who's Mark Albrighton. And you know, that's a worry, isn't on, it? Well, it is a massive worry. Yeah. And I, I mean, my forte is wingers, I love them, they're the, they're the lost art of football, they're the holy grail. So, I, you know, I'm it's probably the only thing I'm looking forward to. But we're also crap at signing them. When was the last time we signed a decent one? Mares, Mares, yeah. yeah. And Barnes came through the academy, so I don't hold any hope. And we need about five of them, we do, um, yeah. So I've not. It's been very quiet though, hasn't it? On on targets, um, I've uh, yeah. It's uh, I'd target the Belgian league. I really would because we've got our links there. Burnley did it last summer. You know they they brought in a lot of Belgian players for reasonable fees and they've done well. That Manuel Benson who came in, who's left footy right winger and ripped it up. Um, there's a couple of players at Leuven. Um, one called Patrice, who's their right back. If we if we need a fullback, I'd be looking at him. Um, yes, really. that our feeder club could actually feed us. Well, maybe, maybe, or, or we'll be giving them players again, but not not to bring them on for us because um, they want a bit. Funny you should uh, funny you should mention Louvre and, and the change in the uh, transfer work permit rules. I don't know if you saw that last so, week. Yeah, yeah. So Nathaniel Apoku, who we loaned to them at the back end of last season, who we got from, well. American USA college football, a Ghanaian young striker who ended the season really well there. He's going to be quite interesting. Big, powerful um, striker. Maybe he'll come he'll come in and play with us rather than go back to them on loan. Well, that that would be something, a player that we've already got to, to come in. That would be, be nice to see him next season, wouldn't it? Certainly if either Daka, Iheanacho, both of them and Vardy potentially go, we're going to need a bit of depth as well. Right, Tom, your list now for players now. Now, uh, now Rick's... There's some good solid ones. I think tonight was about dealing with some of the pain that we felt over the last few weeks. 
I say pain. I've been in Florida for two weeks of it, and I've not felt that much pain. Um, <laughs> but but dealing with the relegation, talking a little bit about Enzo and uh, starting to to get a bit of a uh, bit bit of a grasp on the future. And I think we've we've done that a little bit tonight. So that's about it for the for the show this evening, boys. Have you got anything else that you want to talk about before we go, Steve? What about you? No, we, yeah, the old saying is we've got to keep the faith, haven't we? And it's going to be an interesting season one way or another. Um, uh, I hope it's as exciting as it could be. And we, we actually make a challenge for at least the playoffs. Um, but it's going to be tough. And um, But I'm kind of excited and looking forward to going down again now. Yeah, me too. Fixtures are out on Thursday. Who do you want first up, Tom? I'm with you, mate. I'll take Wednesday. Be great. Yeah, I imagine <laughs> we're going to be the Friday night game as well. I've got a feeling that'll be the case. Yeah. We'll have a the, we're sort of yeah, the big I, I would have thought so. Maybe. All eyes on us, eh? Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. And Rick, thanks very much for joining us this evening. It's been no, great. No problem. Have, thanks for having me. Great work with the Big Strong Leicester boys. The podcast's absolutely fantastic. So give that a listen on all of the usual um all of the usual platforms. It's it's a really great listen, and you guys do a, a great job on there with Sexy Jake leading the the way. <laughs> Thank you very much, and likewise, I love what you do on this pod. So keep doing it, boys. We will do. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks for cheers. That's another episode of It's Eleven It's Seven for Jamie Vardy, and we'll join you again next time. Network.